Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Robert usually does the the healing whenever I doctor cows with him, and being from Texas and moving up here to Colorado, I have learned so many things the the different way people do stuff but but not just from people that are from Montana or Colorado or anything like that Robert's from Texas and I've actually learned stuff from him and and this day I I headed a big one and the grass was kind of tall where we were and I was sitting there on my on my big horse Budhead and so I'm his name's Budhead because he's good looking except for his butt and his head it has nothing to do with his attitude and um so anyway, yeah, I, I'm, I'm dallying on and I'm holding this, this steer. If anybody would like to come demonstrate this, please feel free to come up. But you know how sometimes you get those and they're always going to fight the rope, okay? They're always going to fight the rope. But you get a few of them that just like they run around and scream and holler like a bear with his tail on fire. You know what I mean? Getting chased by a Tyrannosaurus Rex. They're just like, you know, I mean, just, you're like, hey, hey, you're, you're okay. You know, it's okay. Well, this is one of those, right? And so, I mean, it's just, it's just, and then me and my horse, we're just sitting there turning in a circle, turning in a circle, turning in a circle. And, and he's really fighting it so hard that his back end is, is wheeling it out. He's running sideways, but he's wheeling out. And Robert's trying to get up there and, and, and get a shot on it, but it ain't really working because he's jumping about this high through the tall grass. The tall grass is keeping the rope from finding where it needs to be. Plus, the bud is out like this, and it's going about 40 miles an hour around in a circle. It's not the easiest thing to do to heal a big critter on the end of a rope like that. So Robert takes a couple of complimentary shots. Uh, Well, we'll call them practice shots because we don't miss in the pasture. We just take practice shots until we really try to rope them. And then we always catch on the first try. And so he took a couple of practice shots and then he nicely told me, he's like, hey, let's not do it this way. He said, just walk off. So I started to get off my horse. He's like, no, not off your horse. No, I didn't nearly get off my horse. I'm joking. I'm joking. So I, I kind of looked at him. I was like, what? And he goes, just, just kind of ride off. It, it'll, it'll straighten out, and you know, it'll still try to get away from you, but if you're riding off, he'll go straight. Okay, so I kind of nudged old butthead, but I was like, you want me to back up harder? No, 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 go forward. So I leaned forward, and here we go. And we went off, and, and of course, I'm still tied on to him, but that old, that old yearling just kind of trotted out there. Robert went out there, two feet, just bah, bam. I was like, hey, that, that was pretty handy. That was pretty handy. Cause I, and, and I know this sounds dumb, but I mean, I didn't really do a lot of doctoring in the pasture. And, you know, usually people got them roped before I did. And so, you know, <laughs> you learn something new all the time. And I hope I never quit learning some stuff new. Some of you is like, man, that's, I've been doing that since I was four. Well, well, good for you. It just, you know, I'm 23 now and I just learned it. So no big deal, you know? And so, um, 
But, you know, he, he, you just kind of sometimes got to go with the flow. A lot of times we try to shut stuff down, and we just wonder why our problems just keep circling around and circling around and making a bunch of noise, and, and we never get anything accomplished, and we never get anything done because our problems are just wheeling around, and, and this stuff starts choking down, and stuff starts getting in a wreck. And, huh, is that what happens? Today's clinic will be on how to change the way you deal with problems in your life. How we're going to take scripture and we're going to take problems that, that seem to always occur. They just keep coming back around and keep coming back around and keep coming back around, making a lot of noise and really jerking hard on you. And you just, you can't get anything else done. We're, we're going we're gonna to talk about those things today. In 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 and 8, we've been talking about David, the life of King David. This will be the fourth week in a row. Now, in the first week, we talked about King David and Goliath. You want to talk about being tied on to a problem? Goliath was as big, you know, like roping the, you know, 2,800-pound bull on a Shetland, okay? That, that's what this was like, and David came out on top, right? And then, if that wasn't bad enough, then... The next week we talked about David and King Saul because David was so popular now that people wanted him to be the king and Saul, his, his father-in-law, ends up trying to kill him. So you know, David kind of goes out of the pot and, and, and into the fire. And then we talked about how David and Bathsheba, how David looks down, sees a, sees a gal, you know, taking a bath or whatever she was doing and, and, and he makes a mistake and He's got to deal with the mistakes that he made. Sometimes our problems aren't from an outside source. They come from something that we did, and we talked about that. Please go back on live stream. Download our mobile app. You can go back and listen to the podcasts. Do that. It, it, it will help. I know it's helped me. So today we're going to talk about, um, it, it, it's, it's a couple of years after Bathsheba, after this problem, and, and David has a son that is trying to overtake the kingdom. And, and Nathan the prophet said this was going to happen. He said, you know, you're, you know your baby's going to die because of this sin that you did. And uh, your, your uh, son is, you're, you're going to have a problem with all of your kids. One of David's half, one of David's sons rapes his half-sister. I mean, David's got some problems, right? I mean, he really does. A lot of us think, oh, I've got a, I've got a big problem. <laughs> no, you don't. Okay, and so um, one of David's other sons is now trying to overtake the throne. He's gathered up an army. David does not want to fight his only son, so David flees Jerusalem. Okay, David flees Jerusalem. As he is going, he's leaving Jerusalem, and please, we're planning another trip to Israel. You've got to go with us. It's one of the greatest experiences ever. I will, you know, there's a few of us in here that was there. David heads south towards the Jordan, or no, not southwest, east, east. He heads east, I'm going to cover them all. He went north, south, east, and west, and um, he's heading towards the Jordan River, right? And so he's heading towards the Jordan River to cross it because he he's got a small army. Is David's mighty fighting men. And, and he's walking through this town. And there's this guy named Shemiah or something like that. I listened online on how to say it, and that's not it. And so it's like S-H-I-M-E-I, Shemiah or something like that. Shemiah. I listened to it, and it sounded like kung fu to me. Shemiah. That's the way you say it, but I'm not going to say that every time. 
So anyway, there's this guy named Shemiah. I'll probably say it different 14 times, but you'll know who I'm talking about. This guy starts cussing King David. Now in the Torah, that's grounds for killing right there, okay? David is walking along, and this guy, you know, you can imagine this army of men walking down the street, and this guy comes up, and I mean, he starts giving it to David. You sorry, blah, 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 man, mama, I'll blah, blah to you. You've heard it, somebody with a mouth, right? This guy's got a big mouth on him, and in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 and 8, this is what the Bible says. As he cursed... Shimei said, get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a murderer. That's the nice part, okay? This guy is, I mean, he is giving it to David. He is giving it to him. He's being, he's condemning David. He's criticizing him. What happens when people do that to us? We've all been in that situation in some form or fashion. Somebody criticizes you or condemns you or says something that you don't like. How do we usually handle those situations? How do we usually handle those situations? The first thing that human nature usually does is we get mad, right? We get mad. Well, you know, and, and, and nobody is more guilty of this than, than, than that ruggedly handsome, good-looking fella talking to you, you know. I mean, he, he is, he, he's one of the world's worst. Some, so when somebody says something negative or criticizes or condemns, well, by gosh, rah, rah, you, get, you get mad. I don't know if you get mad, but I get mad. And the, and the second thing that we do when something like that happens, or, or the second thing the preacher does, I, y'all probably don't. Because, you know, you know, y'all have never been in this situation. You get mouthy, don't you? Well, blah, 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 blah. Well, who do you think you are? Blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? And, and or that, you know, that's what I've been known to do in the past. You know, what, what the first thing we usually do when somebody is cursing us, is criticizing us, and, and, and saying something, is, it, we get mad. And then the second thing when we do, it, we get mouthy. We start saying stuff. And it don't matter if it's true or not, whether we mean it or not. We just want to say something, don't we? We're like, rah, rah, rah. get after you. And, and the third thing we do is we want to get even, right? We can get even. What happens when somebody criticizes us? What is human nature? Human nature says we're going to get mad first, then we're going to get mouthy, and then we're going to get even. That, that, that is human nature nature. That's the way the world operates. That is the way the Bible will use terms like in the flesh. That is operating in the flesh, okay? Get mad, get mouthy, get even. What if you just let that thing walk on off? Instead of that problem just circling, because that's what happens, you know, just blah, blah, blah. We, when we start getting mad and we start getting mouthy and we start getting even, man, nothing, get, nothing gets taken care of. That problem just keeps circling us and circling us and circling us and circling us. And we wonder, why is this happening? So we get even more mad and we get even more mouthy. And, and, and then we don't just get even with those people. We start taking it out on other people, don't we? Or, I mean, I, I do. And I doubt that I'm alone. But what if you just walked off? What if you just walked off? 
What, 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 what if you just, instead of standing there letting your problems circle and beller and buck and, and cause all sorts of problems, what if you just kind of leaned forward and just kind of gigged your old spiritual horse and, and you just walked off? What would happen? See, what would happen is continued in verse 9 because that's what David does. Then Ab- Abishai, son of Z, that's what his name starts with. I'm not going to try to pronounce the rest of it said to the king, now Abishai is one of David's three generals, okay? It's Joab and Abishai and some other guy's name. I don't remember his name. Anyway, th- these dudes are, are, these are like the Navy SEAL commanders of the day, right? So this guy says, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over there and cut his head off. How many of us are like, get after it, yeah! <laughs> get that boy, sick him, right? David doesn't do that though. But the king said, why does this have to do with you, you sons of Zariah? In other words, he's saying, this ain't none of your business, dude. This guy's trying to stick up for David, right? And you know what David says? Imagine the scene. There's a fella right here just giving him, cussing him, and talking about his mama, talking about his daddy, talking about his granny. I mean, this guy is giving him the what four and the what five and the what six, right? All the way up. And this other fellow's like, hey, man, you want me to go over there and whoop him, cut his head off? David says, this ain't none of your business, dude. This is one of David's three commanders of his army. This is a guy protecting David. And David's like, hey, dude, it ain't none of your business. If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask why do you do this? Kind of strange for David to say, huh? David then said to Abishai and all of his officials, my son... My own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more then this Benjamite, that's who the guy cussed him was, was of the line of Benjamin. Leave him alone. Let him curse. For the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. Would you have handled that situation that way? Would you have said, hey man, you don't defend me. If this guy, maybe God told him to cuss me. And, and even if he didn't, whatever, no big deal. Our natural instincts, when something like this happens, when there's a big problem like this, our natural instincts are to make small problems big ones, and we want to bring the entire army into it, don't we? We start calling our friends. Hey, you know what old so-and-so said? That son of a gun was cussing me and said this and said that. By gosh, if he ever says that again or she ever says that again. You know, we're around the, the, the cowboys don't have water coolers, but, you know, we got, we got the, the back of the trailer, you know, when you're loading your horse. Well, you know what he said and you know what she said? I mean, we, we, we blow it out of proportion. We, we take the smallest little details of things that we cannot control and we just make molehills out of them. The second natural instinct that we do is, boy, we act like the innocent victim, don't we? <gasps> How dare he? Can you believe what she just said to me? We, we have all done it. You've done it. I've done it. We want to play the innocent victim. I can't believe anybody would say something like that to little old me. I am just as innocent as a 12-year-old virgin fixing to be sacrificed at a volcano. I've never done anything wrong. Oh, cut it out. You're fooling yourself. You know, I mean, don't we do that? It don't matter how big the problem is. We, we, we say, oh, here's a little problem. Let's make it bigger. 
And then we play the innocent victim. <laughs> Poor me. Poor me. And the third thing we do, man, then we start defending ourselves at any cost, don't we? We start defending ourselves at any cost. It doesn't matter who gets in the way. Cut his head off and cut everybody else's head off too just for being close. That's what we do. That's in the flesh. That's the way we live. That's the way this world operates, isn't it? We don't do unto others as we, as they would, have, as we would have them do unto us. We're going to treat you like you treat us. That's not the way God said to do it. David shows us why he is a man after God's own heart. Because the first thing he says is he says, I've got bigger problems than this barking dog. That's what he says in verse, uh, let's see, uh, verse 11. He says, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. <laughs> this guy's, I mean, this guy's just, just running his mouth, right? And David's like, look, I got more to worry about than him. Don't you have more to worry about than people running their mouth? I mean, how easy, can you imagine how much harder it is on our lives making a literal mountain out of a molehill than to walk by and just kick the molehill and say, I'm, I'm not going to worry about that. That's what David says. He says, I, I, I got bigger things to worry about. I love, Winston Churchill is, is one of my favorite people, not because of his morality or anything, but just because of some of the quotes that he had. And one of my favorite quotes is this, you'll never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. You'll never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. But boy, we do that, don't we? We've got, boy, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go where God wants me to go. And we spend the rest of our lives. Because when you start throwing rocks at that dog, he gets riled up and the neighbor's dog gets riled up. And then the neighbor's dog gets riled up. And before you know it, man, you, you spend the rest of your life throwing stones all over the place. David says, I've got bigger problems than Shimei. The second thing that David says or does, David says, you know what? If God sent him, then who am I to harm him? David believed in the sovereignty of God. He's like, hey, you know what? <laughs> Only God can judge me. And if God is judging me through this fella, then, then so be it. Let him curse me. Let him curse me. Now, see, here's, 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 the, here's the thing about problems. When we start making mountains out of molehills, and, and a lot of times, see, all that stuff that, they, that that guy said, he said, get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul. David never did anything to the household of Saul. As a matter of fact, he ran from Saul. He said, I will not harm the king of Israel. We talked about that, how he crept in. You know, Saul came in to, to take a leak in a cave, and David was there, and he could have killed him, but he cut off the hem of his robe and said, see, I had a chance to kill you. I'm not going to hurt you. And, and even when everything was said and done, Jonathan, Saul's son, was his best friend. It, David didn't do any of the stuff that this guy was talking about. He didn't. He had nothing to do with Saul's demise. Now, David was suffering because of his sins with Bathsheba. So there is an air of truth about it. Yes, David is being repaid for his sins, but not the sins that this guy is talking about. And a lot of times, that's what the devil will use to get at you. There will be a semblance of truth to it. Just like in the Garden of Eden. What was the first thing the devil said to humankind? He says, did God really say? Did God really say that you couldn't eat that fruit? Because if you eat it, 
you will become like him. True, but not true. What, what the devil was saying is you will become a god. That's not what happened. They knew the difference between good and evil, right? So there, there's always a hint of something about it. But we're not innocent. And David knew that even though this guy had no foundation for what he was saying, there was a hint of truth about it. And David wasn't innocent, and he wasn't going to claim to be the innocent victim of all of his circumstances. He's like, you know what? Maybe I deserved it. Now, he wasn't necessarily feeling sorry for himself, but he wasn't going to put his energy into that. The third thing David does is he says, if God didn't send him, I will let God defend me. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to turn that over to God. Dude can run his mouth if he wants to, and if God chooses to defend me, he will. How many times do we do that? How many times do we let that bellerin, 1,200-pound, 2,800-pound bull that's, you know, it used to be a little calf, and now it's like a 2,800-pound bull. We've been holding on to it for so long, and it's still, and it's just dragging us all over the place. We're weary, we're wore out, everything. What would happen if we did like David and we just kept going, if we just rode off instead of just our lives going in circles and circles and circles and circles what would happen if we did things the way David did more importantly David was a man after God's own heart what if we did things the way David did in this situation what if we didn't make mountains out of molehills what if we quit acting like we were an innocent victim what if we put down the sword that is sheathed between our teeth and turn the matter over to God. What would happen to your problem? Let's look and see what happened to David's. Verse 13. So David and his men continued along the road while Shimei was going along the hillside opposite him. Remember what I said? I took off with that steer. It was still there. We were just dealing with it in a different way. David went on. Shimei followed him, still cussing him. I mean, just get, giving it to him, right? So David and his men continued along the road while Shimei was going along the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went and throwing stones at him and showering him with dirt. You want to know where refs get it from? It's biblical. He's he not just throwing curses and accusations and half-truths at David. He's throwing rocks, and he even resorts to throwing dirt. This guy's serious. He... he, he I'm getting the feeling he don't like David. It's just me, okay? It's just me. The, showering him with dirt in verse 14. The king and all the people with him arrived at their destination exhausted. And there he refreshed himself. Did you catch what will happen if you do things God's way when people cause problems? Or when you've got that problem circling? If you handle it the way God says to handle things. First thing that's going to happen eventually you will arrive at your destination. Instead of forgetting what you were supposed to be doing and end up going in circles, getting nothing accomplished, you are going to arrive at your destination. You are going to get the job done that God has called you to do. You are going to reach that place where God told you to go. You are going to become the man or the woman that God called you to be. You will arrive at your destination, but make no mistake about it, Shimei may be there the whole way in your ear, but you will arrive at your destination. And the second thing is you will be exhausted. You will be exhausted. Nobody, not even God, said this was going to be an easy journey. If you have come to Christianity 
Because you think God is going to make all of your problems disappear, you are going to be sorely disappointed. God doesn't make our problems go away. He makes us stronger. And he gives us tools to become better cowboys and cowgirls in order to handle the problems that are going to come your way no matter if you follow Christ or you don't. Okay? Nobody said that this was going to be an easy journey. You will be exhausted. And the third thing, and the last thing, but you will be refreshed. You will be refreshed. When you reach the end, when you reach your destination, and, and, and maybe that, you know, that, that wasn't the last place David ever went, but when he got to where God was leading him to go, he was exhausted, but he arrived, and he was refreshed. Is that, is that you? Because I know it's me. I need to be refreshed right now. And I know many of you here need to be refreshed. You need to take a deep breath. You need God to come into your life and, and lift you up. I need him to come into my life and lift me up. I can see it in your eyes. I can feel it through the Holy Spirit. You need that too. Because in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden I give you is light. He said, just go, just walk off. Let me deal with it. You just keep going the way I told you to go. You just keep on keeping on. You just go with the flow. What if we didn't make mountains out of molehills? What if we quit acting like the victim, like an innocent victim? And what if we put down the sword that is sheathed between our teeth and turn the matter over to God? What would happen? We will arrive at where God is leading us to go. We will be exhausted and we will be refreshed. But there's a bonus that I didn't tell you about. In 2 Samuel 19, 18 through 20, Absalom, King David's son, that is trying to overtake the throne is dead. He's dead. David is going back to Jerusalem. He crosses back to Jordan. He's coming, you know, he went out this way and he's coming back the same way he went out, right? And in 2 Samuel chapter 19, starting in verse 18, as the king was about to cross the river, guess who shows up? Shimei, or Shimei, or however you say his name. As the king was about to cross the river, Shimei fell down before him. My Lord, the king, please forgive me. Forget the terrible thing your servant did when you left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. I know how much I sinned. That is why I've come here today, the very first person in all of Israel, to greet my Lord, the king. I wonder how different that story would have been. Would David have just added to his misery if he would have let his commander cut off that dude's head? But David said, David said up there, he said, for the Lord has told him to, it may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. And that's exactly what happened. God gave him victory. And that guy that traveled along and threw rocks and threw dirt and cussed him and told half-truths and accused and condemned, what does that same guy do? Because David just kept on keeping on. He just went with the flow. He just didn't say anything. He's like, you know what? I'll let the Lord, may the Lord deal with me. May the Lord deal with him. And look what happened right there. My Lord, the king, please forgive me. Forget the terrible thing your servant did when you left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. I know how much I sinned. That is why I've come here today. The very first person in all of Israel 
to greet my Lord, the King. That's what's gonna happen. God's gonna give us victory. It's a promise in the Bible. And the only way that victory will come is through doing things the way God says to do them. Jesus said, wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to eternal life. You have to do things the way God says to do them. You can't go this way, away from God, what God says, and expect to find his promises on the other side. It doesn't work like that. You have to follow God. You have to do things the way he says. He's not gonna punish you for doing them wrong, but he's not gonna bless you either. It's a double blessing. You get to claim victory and you get his blessing when you do things the way God says and it is contrary to the way the world operates. I encourage every single one of you to walk out of here today and just go. Go towards that destination that God has called you to. You're gonna, you're, you're gonna be exhausted when you get there. But when you get there, God is going to refresh you. As a matter of fact, I think today, you are here today because you have arrived at the destination. You are exhausted. And God wants to refresh you today and give you victory over everything that stands in your way. Let that big critter that has been hollering and circling you for so long just walk off and God's gonna come in behind it, and he's gonna heal that problem and take care of it, and take your rope off of it. That problem that's just been circling and circling, but you gotta do it the way God says to do it. It does not make you weaker to walk off. It does not make you weaker to not defend yourself. It makes you stronger because the Bible says in your weakness is when God is the strongest. Turn it over to him. You can do that today. Let's go to God in prayer. God, our faith is in your son and the evidence of that faith can only be found in our obedience to your word in honor and humility. God, you will judge the unrighteous and deliver your kids from the enemies into the place that Jesus has prepared for us and lead us into victory if we will just be still and trust in your word and your promises. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. The cowboy has molded and shaped our country by the sweat of his brow and his faith in God. Slowly, his way of life has been labeled as outdated and obsolete, if that wasn't enough. Religion has tried to change his view of the God he experiences every day. The rough hands of the carpenter's son have been replaced with silver tongues and promises of an easy life. But the cowboy knows better. His way of life is slowly dying. No longer do people keep their word. No longer is a handshake all you need. He searches for men who act like men and ladies who act like ladies. He is one in a thousand and he needs your help. For just $35 a month, which is one one thousandth of the average yearly salary, you can be part of saving the cowboy's heritage, saving the cowboy's faith, and his livelihood. You too can help save the cowboy. Just text Save the Cowboy, all one word, to 77977 and be a part of something extraordinary.